Hi there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Today's episode is a very special one. This was our first ever live performance, uh, which we did back in June as part of NYC PodFest 2016. And my guest was Sarah Jones, who is an incredibly talented performer. She's an actress and a playwright who plays multiple characters, becomes them, really. And I give her a full introduction in a moment, but what I want you to understand before you start listening is that throughout the show, she puts on a pair of glasses or puts on a baseball cap and becomes entirely different people. And she responds as them to the surprise topics. It's an amazing, amazing experience to be up there with her. Uh, and I had no idea what she was going to do before she did it. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello. Welcome. This journey to this stage uh, began about a year ago, but I should go back before that. In 2008, Big Think was founded as a kind of a YouTube for big ideas. The idea was to gather some of the smartest, most creative, most interesting emerging ideas from people in all fields, sciences, arts, et cetera, and put them out there on the internet in extremely engaging form. And it's grown into a kind of uh, living encyclopedia, you could say, of emerging ideas. And for me, the best ideas, the most creative moments, the most interesting moments between human beings happen in kind of synaptic connections between surprises, between disconnects, when you are uh, kind of out of your comfort zone. I'm very, very, very happy to be joined tonight by someone who I have been an enormous fan of since 2004, uh, at least, when I saw her show Bridge and Tunnel. She is a playwright, Obi, and Tony Award-winning playwright, performer, multi-character, actor, who cre creates these characters and then fully embodies them in her body, in her voice, to the point where if you did not know who she was, you would not know that she was an actress playing them. Please welcome to the stage the extraordinary Sarah Jones. Hey, Sarah. Hi. I wanted to start by saying, between the last time I saw you perform live was 2004. You're about to do your show. Am I speaking to Sarah, by the way? Um, I, it depends on the question you're about to ask. <laughs> Oh, I see. Right. Okay. So we'll sort it out. Why don't you... This is, it's very important that you live in the moment. Jason. Yes, I do want to live in the moment. Yes. So. Okay. We can't really control most things. Right. So we're going to live in that space of sort of, we don't know what the outcome is. We're just that's along an, for the ride. That's an excellent point. So if I were speaking to Sarah, I'm not sure. We'll it's see. Plausible. It's conceivable. It's I w conceivable. I think I would ask... One of the things I would want to ask is between, two, you know, the world of 2004 and the world of 2016, right? Mm -hmm. Sarah's coming back in 2016 to bring some of the same characters, all different characters, anyway, a group of characters to the stage in October, uh, previews starting in September. And it's a different world, you know, in terms of how people think and talk about diversity, multiculturalism, et cetera. I think I'd ask her about that. Like, what are some of the differences? What is it like to be Sarah Jones bringing all those people up there in front of an audience in, in 2016? 
Right. Well, first of all, thank you for the question, and I shall uh, be sure that it gets on to the right parties. Um, I'll just start by saying that Bridgen Tunnel started in 2004, and then in 2006 it went to Broadway. So it sort of lived in this strange space that was exactly pre-Facebook, exploding um, into, you know, kind of amygdalas. And um, <laughs> what's happened since then is that I, I was not part of Bridge and Tunnel, but you will meet me if you come to MTC or if you happen to be in Martha's Vineyard, Sarah will be doing sell-by date there. And, and I, I do want to live in the moment, but I feel like I should ask your name. Oh, well, so here's the thing. I've been spending a lot of time on Tinder, and I've decided that I don't even want to give my name unless there's a chance. I happen to know that you're a happily married man with a fantastic child, that so I'm going true. to move on. Okay. <laughs> um, hi. First of all, I want to say... Hi, Jason, sweetheart. You haven't aged a bit in 12 years. Well, thank you. So my name is Lorraine Levine. Hi, everybody. If you don't know me, I'm here because of the girl, Sarah, Sarah Jones, who you just met. Uh, she's a very nice young black performer. And uh, I don't know why people... She calls herself black. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but you made the point about diversity. Yes. And, you know, I'm in her shows, what she calls her one-woman show. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, for me, in some <laughs> ways the world has changed quite a bit, and in some ways it's still the same. You know, we have to go to the theater. The sure. human bodies are still there. Uh, you ask them to turn off their phones, and probably they don't. Probably. So uh, this is Sarah. Hi, Jason. So I, hey. what I want to say is um, you just heard <laughs> from Lorraine and an unidentified woman. Um, she will identify herself when you come to the theater. But I think for me what's changed so much is the sheer volume of information and I'm having a really strange personal moment right. of having some people who know me and know my work really well, and then a whole wave of people for whom I'm a brand new introduction to them through TED Talks. They have no idea that I ever did something on Broadway because it doesn't exist unless it's online. Right. So I have millions of views on something that's not on my own website and you know a couple of followers on my like Twitter thing, and I don't really know how to navigate that space. Yeah. And so I'm learning that I probably should get a social media person. <laughs> you all can apply if you're qualified, because I don't know what the heck to do with my... I started... Lorraine calls it Snapchaps. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Sounds very violent, the Snapchaps. I don't want to know what they're doing. But anyway, the point being, you know, I am negotiating these spaces, and yet there's also... Um, Hi, Jason. My name is Bella, and I just need to, hey, like, Belle. hi. Just, like, really quickly, I want to, like, let you guys know that, like, Jason is, like, super, like, diligent and, like, super rad about, like, <laughs> getting, like, people to be, like, on his podcast or whatever. So, like, we had to answer, like, questions, and, like, I was super stoked to, like, meet him. And first of all, like, my name is Bella. I was named for, like, Bella Abzug, who's, like, a famous like, feminist from, like, history and everything. And so, like, normally I'm extremely suspicious of, like, just certain kinds of, like, male energy. Like, 
like, what are your intentions? Like, are you really about intersectionality? Or do you, like, not even know what's happening right now? And, like, all of a sudden, you'll start mansplaining everything to me <laughs> without my even realizing it's coming. But, like, you seemed really, like, totally, like, amazing to deal with. I try not to mansplain. Yeah. Oh, but, but I just interrupted you, which I know is one of those things, That is right? one of those things. Yeah, 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 and yeah, your yeah. spread is encroaching on my uh -oh. area. I'm manspreading. <laughs> You're right, I'm man's But other than that, I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> so Bella's not afraid at all, and all the followers I do have are because of her, pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I guess the other thing I wanted to say uh, before we get to the other part of the show is that I heard you mention in an interview at some point that you one of your major inspirations is Lily Tomlin. Yes. Yeah. I saw her, um, I saw search for signs of intelligent life in the universe many years ago. I think I was maybe 12 years old, and it just mm -hmm. completely blew my mind open. And I had a similar experience when I saw you in Bridge and Tunnel. And I think the reason is that in that show, she, just as you do, like she you know, utterly became these other people. And I, f I feel like many times in our lives, we walk around kind of on eggshells around each other. And especially increasingly as we try to be and I think with good reason, sensitive to each other's feelings in the world. I think people feel on the outside of each other's lives. And I felt like what Lily did in that show and what, and what you did in your show was to really smash through that so that, we could, so that we could have that sense of, I don't know, universality and particularity. Do you, that's not a question. Do you want to take that? I like, I like where you're going and yeah. what you're doing and where you are and who you be. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think the thing is, Lily did for me what she did for you, and I think many other people, and I, I'm going to plug, plug, because we're in podcast land. So I'm one of those who jump, jumped on the podcast wagon. I'm going to be with you soon. Yep. Um, I'm launching my own podcast. More info about that is coming. And I've, I can't announce who's on it, but let's just say some of my heroes are on it with me. Ah, and I'm really excited about getting to talk to other people who, aw, that was so nice. That was a totally unsolicited clap. I didn't even, for those of you who can't see, I didn't just like make them clap it up with like some hand gestures. They did it on their own. Um, you know, I just think the, the reality is even the word sensitivity sort of privileges this illusion that we have a choice. Like, being sensitive to another person presupposes that you don't have to really be mindful and alive and aware that they have the same rights and the same basic dignity that you do. Right. So it's almost like that idea of tolerance, you know? I always felt like, don't if you have to tolerate me, that's like an itchy sweater. Like, don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want your tolerance. Like, I'm just here. I'm just floating around like you. Like, can we do something else maybe? Like, love sounds good, you know? But yeah. tolerating each other or, like, sensitivity sort of implies that there's something that we have to navigate that shouldn't be there, but we're kind of trying to walk around it. And I think as a country, we deserve right. better and as a world, you know? Yeah, I just, I think it's because of the way that we talk about these things and the way these conversations go on the internet that, you know, there's enough fear already to begin with and mm -hmm. presumably this stuff ought to be intended to break through that fear, but it actually just ends up becoming an echo chamber and reinforcing it. You we know? can become a whirling dervish of neurotic, <laughs> um, you know, sort of like attempted, again, sensitivity. And yeah. I think we get to learn how to sort of do the work and then trust ourselves. There's just something about being able to recognize another person and say, I see you, my fellow human being, not from a place of, 
I see your hyphenated self because I'm you're the other right. and I'm the main thing. But from a basic understanding that you know we all have kind of gotten a lot of confusing messages about who is human and what humanity is supposed to look like and you know how we're all supposed to interact. There's been a lot of hierarchical versions of things that haven't served everybody for a long time. And now we're doing the work. Many of us are doing the work to you know, kind of shift. And so I say to you, don't worry that you have to be sensitive because you're doing the work. I think that's the idea, is that I don't want to walk around up-armored and afraid yeah, yeah. and preemptively defensive because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'd much rather sort of do the work and then settle into a, a conversation that's filled with humility and say, hey, I don't know, can you teach me? Right. I think that's great. I, I think that we should leave that part there. Okay. And then the I think I might have been woman splaining a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, was no. like humana splaining. No. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um I think let's move on to the next part of the show, which okay. is where we watch the surprise clips. So the first one that we have, Parag Khanna, global strategist and author of Connectography. And the title is World War Three or One World War. How about neither? The, yeah, I, I, I think neither would be good. For those of us who saw the first, the second one, uh, <coughs> and heard plenty about the first. Listen, I tease the younger people, but I, it's a little joke, you'll hear me say it, but I say it to my grandkids. You know, in my day, your laptop was just the place where you put your napkin. <laughs> you like that, sweetheart? <laughs> oh, he's wonderful, okay. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, shall, yes. shall Are you we? Ready, sweetheart? Yes, I'm absolutely. Ready for you. Thank you. All right. There have been about nine major wars that have been predicted in the last 25 years. But interestingly, none of them have escalated to the level of a major regional war or a global conflict that we would describe as a World War III. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are not just interdependent in terms of trade. Today we have a large amount of financial integration. We hold a lot of each other's debt. There is also supply chain dispersal. We now manufacture goods in even our own rivals' countries. Walmart, America's largest retailer, makes most of its goods in China. If a war between the US and China were to suddenly break out tomorrow, that would probably mean very bad news for the bottom line of America's largest retailer. So we are much more careful, of course, about stumbling into conflict. I wish that our institutions were to embed this kind of integration and wisdom that prevents a World War III from breaking out. We always have to be afraid that that can happen. And all of those things that we're doing correctly, the supply chain dispersal, the financial integration, the trade interdependence, even the demographic into integration between countries. Let's do a lot more of that. Okay, so. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Nereida. How are you? It's very nice to meet you. Hi. Um, your name is Jason, right? I your want son to is say very your cute. name right. It is what? Nereida. Nereida. That's, Nereida. It's close enough. Yes. So, um, <laughs> hi everybody. I'm very excited to be here. Um, first of all, that was very interesting to me because right now I'm I'm doing some. Like, I'm very interested in, like, sustainability issues, but also, like, you know, the business side and, like, you know, the global economy and everything like that. And here's the thing is that, like, actually for me, you know, like, I am a New Yorker and everything like that, but really, I mean, my family, I'm Dominican, and I'm also half Puerto Rican. Oh, there's the Dominicans here? Get out of here. Oh, my God. 
¿Cómo está? Ok, ah, después. Ok, entonces, so, tú sabes que, so, this is what I wanted to say to you. I really don't want to speak Spanish because then I get very confused. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm trying not to be nervous. Whenever I get nervous, I start to talk really fast in both it's languages. Okay. It's, it's very all going to be good. So, um, the point is that I really wanted to say that I really like, you know, the analysis and everything that that guy had. I'm really sorry that you guys couldn't see him. He's a little bit handsome. He could, like, could have been Dominican. But, um... <laughs> The thing about it, though, was that, like, as he was talking, and he's talking about all these, like, you know, like, monetary instruments or whatever, and, like, how all of this stuff is connected and blah, 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 all I kept thinking is, like, you know, the one thing that's really going on here is that, like, people don't realize, especially, like, okay, if you if you come from, like, you know, like, my family, I have some family, they live in El Campo, like, it's very, it's still, you know, it's poor over there. And, um, <laughs> you know, like, it's very real. So, the thing is that, like, if you're the majority of people, even now, they're like, oh, everybody has laptops, and everybody has, the, not really, not everywhere, you know, yeah. like, if you really, really travel, it's not really true, they're like, oh, we've lifted everybody out of poverty. No. Um, claro que no. So, um, <laughs> you know, what I would really say is that if you want to know what's the biggest World War III, is the violence of poverty. Okay? That's a World War III that is very real in a lot of people's lives is still today. And I understand that it's not the same thing as, like, everybody in here feeling unsafe or, like, we're all dying and blah, blah, blah. But there is, the, you know, to me, like, there's a lot of people that, like, they would say, yeah, you guys still got a lot of work to do. Like, you know, yeah. it's not just, like, about pushing a button or something like that. It's the fact that, like, some people, their children still cannot eat or whatever. Like, that's very real. They don't have, like, you know, sanitation system or something like that. Their baby is dying of things that, you know, um, should have been cured by, like, a two-cent pill or something like that. So to me, there's it's still, like, a kind of, you know, that... I mean, I'm not maybe saying it as clearly as that guy did or whatever, but, like, I'm trying to make the point that, like, you know, I'm not satisfied. That's <laughs> all. So what you're saying, Nereda, is that it's not enough to not start a war. You actually have to do better than that. Exactamente. It reminds me of that thing that, you know, Chris Rock, he was like, oh, when people are like, oh, I pay child support. You want a medal because, like, you're doing the most basic level of what you're supposed <laughs> to do? Como que, you know, you made the child. So don't, like, get all excited that, like, woohoo, I'm taking care of my child. Yeah, okay. But, right. like, now go do something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And well, and maybe a step further, right? I mean... I read an article by, um, did you ever see uh, The Wire? You know that show, The Wire, I mean, with David Simon? Yeah, yes. so, so I read an article that he wrote in which he was saying that if you trap people on the outside long enough, it's only a matter of time before they pick up a brick, right? So World War III doesn't necessarily have to come from the inside. Exactly. Right? I think it's <laughs> about your terminology. Like, what do you call World War III? You know what I mean? Like, right. And I mean, I think I just want to say like this one other thing that I think is very important is that, you know, like people, I'm sorry to say it, like, I mean, maybe it makes me like a radical, whatever, like something, but I just feel like that the military... I'm sorry, but you know you can't really prove it to me that all that money that we are spending on that is actually keeping anybody really safe. Like I wish all my cousins, everybody that has to go into like the reserves or something like that, if we actually invested some money in this infrastructure of this country, there would still be jobs in the cities here instead of you know right. like all the stuff. Like they said, everything you buy in Walmart is made in China. That means that somebody that doesn't have a job over here, and instead they don't have no money, so that when they want to go to college, they have to pay for that with the military, etc. I would rather. It's like they used to have the things that said, like, you know, what was it? No bombs instead of bake sales? I don't know. My mother in the <laughs> 70s, she was like one of those protesters, you know, you know about like, maybe you don't protesters? know. Protesters? Yeah. No, but like people Puerto Rican. I mean, there was like a whole thing of like the Young Lords. It was like the Black Panthers. It's a lot. I mean, but anyway, I, the point is that, you know, a little bit. So yeah. the point is that they were very like, you know, they wanted to really stop 
focusing so much on the military because they were like, look, it's not making us safer, it's killing us. Or it's like making people's lives worse. Why don't you take that same money, invest it in education, invest it in neighborhoods and companies so that we will have jobs. And then you will have, I don't need to pick up a brick. Right. Because I'm on my way to pick up my kids from school and then like take them to the doctor that they could afford, et cetera. You know what I mean? Good point, good point. Thank you. And... And if those systems break down at some point, right, if those global markets, you know, or, or one of the countries in that chain can no longer continue, you know, holding its own end, what, its end, like, what, what will happen to those weapons? Where do they go, right? I what, mean, I think we know. Yeah. Right? Didn't they say, like, I mean, I don't know. It just, it, it gets very frustrating for me because... It's like, oh, we're very concerned about the global security, blah, blah, blah. And then we, like, make em embargo. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's a Spanish word. I should know that. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that sanction, that's the word I was looking for, is sanctions. That, you know, we create then the little kids. When I was little, I remember, I was thinking, like, that little kid that you see suffering in the TV, right. in 10 years, he's going to be so mad that his mom died, that you killed this, that he can't go to school, that he doesn't have any place to go. He's going to pick up something. And then we're going to get to call him a terrorist instead of that poor little kid. So for me, it's just a matter right. of like, you know, what do you call warfare? This is, it's not very um, happy, what I'm saying. I, I'm, I don't know if it's supposed to be a happy podcast. It doesn't have to be, no. Okay. No, I mean, I don't think that was a happy video, was not it? Not really. No. Do you have something happier? Maybe. Okay. Let's, shall we see what's next? Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Por supuesto que sí. You know what? While we, we will, is it okay with you? Why, oh, you you oh, right there. You means, got no, it right I'm, now. No, I'm just no, gonna, I'm, I'm just because I was very curious no, no, about. No, no, you go ahead. What are you gonna say? No, just that, like you know, do you think that um, right now in America, I just think a lot of people they're very confused because they're like, oh my God, there's so much to fear, immigrants, blah 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 blah, and they're watching like the news, little like snippets of news. It makes them more stupid. I'm not gonna. I'm, I have some of my friends. The more news the, they watch, the stupider they sound when they talk to you. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's true. Yeah, the, the the news is echoing and 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 fanning the worst of us for sure. I agree. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the fanning. I'm not a fan of the fanning. <laughs> All right. So the second video is um, the person is Angie MacArthur, communications strategist and CEO of Professional Thinking Partners. That's very frightening to me. Does she? Does that mean she needs a partner to think? Um, <laughs> I think other people need a partner to think, and she's the partner. Oh, I should call her. It's called, Here's Why That Coffee Just Isn't Working For You. Ah. So let's see. So the first strategy of mind patterns is really about how we each uniquely communicate, understand, and learn. And it starts with attention. And what most people don't realize is that there's more than one way of paying attention. We consider attention in one form, paying attention. If you imagine my hands as your mind, this is focused attention. The mind also moves into a second state of attention. This is sorting attention. This is where you're listening or experiencing something and you're attaching it to your own stories, your own history. The third state of attention is open, wide, wonder. This is where insight happens. This is where you have aha moments. In this culture, we tend to only value this state of attention. We will caffeinate ourselves. We will do anything to keep in this state of attention. However, in order to have the type of breakthroughs that we so desperately need, we have to give ourselves space and time to go into these wider states of attention. 
The interesting thing is we each do that in a different way. And so for some, visual information is very important. It helps them focus. For others, kinesthetic information or hands-on experiences will help them remain focused. Similarly, to get into an open state of attention, for some to get up in the back of a meeting room and pace around helps them have that breakthrough. Yeah, uh, what's good, Jason? Jason, gosh, that's your name right there? Yeah, that's my All name. Hi, right, what's good? My name is Rashid, you know what I'm saying? Um, look, I'm gonna let y'all know something right now. I told Sarah Jones, if I'm gonna be the only dude that she bring up here, I don't wanna you know her to use me, call me out, oh, Rashid is sexist, or this and that, and then I gotta step up there. So I'm very happy my man right here is interviewing me. Alright? Yes. You got a little balance going on. Two dudes. Two here. dudes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm two dudes in one. You can be the third if you want to. Alright? So, but what I'm gonna say real quick, not to disrespect the lady that was just talking, lady, woman, whatever's respectful <laughs> thing I'm supposed to call her. Um it anyway, gets tricky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, so my point is that um I was listening to her talking about the different ways people, you know, using they I mean, for real, when she first started doing all that stuff with her hands and whatnot, I was like, I I, I mean, I thought it was a little bit funny. So I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> I was trying to roll with it and everything. But then while she was talking, I was like, all right, that's kind of deep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was feeling it. I was feeling it. So um, and then I realized, you know what I'm saying. I be using my hands a lot when I talk, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people might think that's aggressive, you know what I'm saying? Right. But really, for me, it's expressive, you know what I'm saying? I can't really say everything I'm trying to say. I'm trying to reach you, you feel me? So I probably just like using anything I got. And so you're, you're like kinesthetic, according to what she was I mean, saying. Moving, you, moving gets you focused. I mean, I think I'm kinesthetic. And verbal, maybe. I'm verbal. You, yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm a whole, she was doing a whole lot of this right there, something like that. And um, I feel that if somebody get up and start walking, right. it could feel like just like, would you walk, you know, I'm trying to talk to you. And really, they just trying to understand. So I thought the lady, I mean, the, whatever, the person, <laughs> what they were saying was real dope. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. I think it makes sense because people do. They get all tight. You know, you pose up when you in school and they like, Rashid, you ain't paying attention. Yes, I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. just paying attention my way, kinesthetically and whatnot. Right, right. How about those different states of attention she was talking about, like open state where you're wondering and searching and trying to like connect, or a focused state? Like, where do you feel most most comfortable? First of all, what what's your thing? What what do you what do you do? Are you in school now or? I'm sorry. What was the question? Nah, I'm playing with you. <laughs> um, I was playing around with that attention thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was paying attention to you. And um, you know what I'm saying? Thank, thank you for the um, compliment. You know what I'm saying? If thinking I'm in school, I like to think of myself that you know what I'm saying. With school, I take what I like and I leave the rest. You know what I'm saying? So I took what I could get, which wasn't a lot. I don't really need to go through no metal detector every damn morning. Somebody just grooming <laughs> me so I could tolerate the police and whatnot. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what the school looked like where I'm from. Is they getting you ready? So when somebody say, obey they every command, you already used to it since you were shorty. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's messed up. So I don't need that type of education. So let me ask you, Rashid, like what lights you up though? Like what do you love? You know, I what? mean, Sam, I do, I love music. You feel mm -hmm. me? I love stuff like this to stimulate your mind and whatnot. I also love saying meeting new individuals. Right. 
they got some, you know, saying interesting to learn. Like I said, what I, what I just learned right there, that was interesting to me. I mean, I think I light up. I don't know. You could see me. Am I lighting up? <laughs> yeah, in, me, in me. your mind, you know. I mean, my mind, I'm saying it take other things to light up my mind. I'm probably not supposed to talk about that on the air. <laughs> But um, I'm trying to work on that too, cause you no, know what I'm okay. saying. That's it make yeah, you know it. I mean, for real, I ain't gonna lie. My skills is a little bit more rustier than they used to be. Some people say it might be messing with my mind. You know what I'm saying? But um, okay. Yeah, this is so probably a different conversation I need to, to have with somebody else. Whatever, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You ain't right. a professional though, so I'm gonna go talk to my. I no, got you're a right. You're right. I, got no, a therapist. I shouldn't be. I yeah. shouldn't be doing therapy on you up here. Nah. nah, I'm not in a position to do that. All right, Rashid. Well, shall we um? Shall we see what the next video is? Uh, you you know. trying to tell me our session is up? Not necessarily. No, not at all. Um, did, nah, did you have something else that you wanted to add? You because know what? I, I will, could, I will say continue. this right yeah. here. I think um, art, that's the most important thing. You could give like little kids. Right. If you want to ask them what light up their mind, take them to like, you know, all that drawing. And yeah. all, like, I'm, yo, when adult coloring books got all popular, everybody's <laughs> talking about that shit. I mean, to me, it ain't even ironic. You know what I'm saying? Right. I be taking my little cousin's coloring books. I mean, it's good for me. I like it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's peaceful. So I'm saying, like, I think stuff like that is always good for you. If if you like art when you a little shorty, the rest of your life is going to help you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that feels like, yeah. And, th and that feels like that open state of attention to me, right? Art is like your mind goes wide. It goes, you start thinking about all different kinds of things. I mean, I'm very precise, though. I got to keep the colors very precise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm very... Detail oriented. I'm very, yeah, I'm very, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Art supposed to be for everybody. That's what hip hop show, you know right. what I'm saying? I was an MC. I used to I used to write rhymes and everything back yeah? in the day. Yeah. Do you I'm nah son? It ain't no music industry no more. You know uh, what I'm saying? Okay. It's real difficult. I don't really, you know, I, I I'm still an artist, but right now I some people call what I what I do as being a barber, but I prefer the term follicular aesthetics counselor. That's what I do. That's what I do. So I like that. It's that still good. art. Yeah. It's still artistic. You feel me? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but do you do you have any rhymes you would want to share? Not for free. No. <laughs> well said. Well yeah. said. So we'll see. We, you know what? If we can arrange anything in that way afterward, but let uh, me know. Yeah. I'll give you my tax ID. <laughs> all, <laughs> all right. So let's see, video number three then is going to be Douglas Rushkoff, professor of media theory at CUNY. And the title is 13th Century Economics Will Fail the Digital Economy. For 75 years now, corporate profit over their total value has been decreasing. That means corporations are really good at accumulating money but increasingly worse at deploying that money, at making money with money. This is really serious. Pharmaceutical companies don't know how to make drugs. They only know how to acquire companies that do. Google, even, is no longer a technology company. Google became Alphabet. It's a holding company. Google's new business is buying and selling technology companies. So they might as well be Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch or somebody. They are a meta company now because they don't know how to create value. That's because they're using a bankrupt method. They're using a 13th century corporate operating system to run digitally enabled businesses. 
what I'm arguing is that 13th century model is obsolete. It was based on going to South America and enslaving people and taking their precious metals. It doesn't work for a digital economy. It doesn't work for an economy where people are buying and selling and trading and making videos and, and exchanging value. And if you want to do well, if you want to actually make money, you have a better shot of it by creating circulating value. Think eBay, not Amazon. Think Bitcoin, not Uber. And you're slightly on the path. Thank you, Professor Rushkoff. This is Sarah. You know, I was fascinated again by the idea of the meanings of the terms we use and what the idea that going down to South America and enslaving people worked then but it doesn't work now. It didn't work then if you were the South Americans who were being <laughs> enslaved. So I think this idea of what it looks like to do well uh, is quite subjective. Yes. Um, and I think, the, you know, for me, the notion of development and what that word actually means, if you are polluting everything in your wake, that's not development. If you are enslaving, if you are creating um, structures that destroy the ability of large swaths of people to have any self-determination. I'm sorry, but I don't care what your number is on the NASDAQ. Yeah. I think you're a failure. So that kind of thinking, as you can imagine, means I was not an economics major. But I'm, I also I recognize that we live in the real world and we have to make peace with economic systems that can actually serve people. But I think the public good is kind of the ca kind of capitalism I'm interested in, like what serves the public good, right. not what you know keeps creating endless piles of empty former laptop carcasses that we <laughs> send to you know other countries that can't afford to turn away our junk. Yeah, you know he makes this point that basically the real problem started when we took the idea of growth and financial growth, growth away, right. yeah, and made it, made it endless, and then sort of took it out of the realm of real stuff that goes into real hands, allowed money to make money, and so right. on. Um, and, you know, so the question is, is there a way to move on, I, I don't think there's a way to move on a global scale toward more localized economies. I think people have to start that locally, right? <laughs> so uh, my name is Gary Weaselhead. I know we're uh, nearly uh, out of time. Gary Weaselhead? That is my given name. Hello, Gary. It's a freebie for you. Enjoy that. <laughs> I'm a member of the Blackfeet Nation. I'm also a half Lakota. And, uh, you know, usually in a place like this, I, as a Native American and a comedian, uh, I like to, you know, tell people a few facts about Indian people that they may not know. Sure. Um, the first one is usually... Uh, we still exist. Uh, but beyond that, I guess my comment would be that even the notion that one has to uh, have more than what one needs, right? that's what this system is based on. Right. So even in this idea of being able to go and get spices that don't grow in your own native place or get fruits that aren't in season where you are, that's a kind of a mentality of just not accepting that what you have is what you have. Maybe you don't need the other thing until it's in season where you are. Maybe be patient. Maybe be satisfied with what you have. Do you think it might come out of fear and a desire to kind of 
lay up and lay in store, people being afraid to not have enough at some point and therefore trying to build endlessly in order to protect themselves? Perhaps. I think the main problem uh, with that mentality is if you have to uh, take from others or harm them in order to get your needs met, uh, you haven't thought your system through as well as you might. I think part of the problem is that the people that are harmed are at a distance increasingly, right? So that you don't actually feel it. The consumer on the consumer end or even in the clean, nice office somewhere. I don't think it's geographical distance as much as it is the distance between the person and their Facebook feed. If, if your screen is what's right in front of you, it's between you and the entire rest of the world. That's more distance than Earth miles all put together. First, you're alienated from yourself. Right. Unless you have enough likes. Then you feel good for a little <laughs> while. But if you're alienated from you, then believe me, everyone else looks pretty foreign too. Thanks so much, Gary. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Sarah. And uh, I think we ought to wind it up on that note. But I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight to hear thanks Think Again. Thanks, everybody, from me and from Jason. Thanks for coming. Yay. And everybody should come see Sarah in uh, Sell By Date at Manhattan Theater Club, is it? Yes, you can go to sarahjonesonline.com or find me on one of the aforementioned social media platforms, Snapchats, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, XO Sarah Jones and Joan Sarah. Thanks Yay. so much, everybody. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, everybody. And that's the end of this week's Think Again. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you haven't done it before, please just take five minutes to go rate or review us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen so that other people can discover the podcast and so that we can be here forever. Um, next week, I'm joined by one of the funniest, smartest, best science writers I have ever read, Mary Roach. Uh, it's a really great episode, and I uh, hope to see you then. Mm -hmm.